Trader Files podcast. I'm your host, Julia, and today we have Ricky and Nathan. Now, Nathan has been here at Income School for five years. Is that right, Nathan? Yeah, just about five years now. Okay, and four of those, you've been really immersed in YouTube? Yeah. You've helped build channels here. You've done a lot of the production. And now recently, you started your own channel. So that's why we have Nathan here today, as well as Ricky, of course, who is doing our 30-day YouTube publishing challenge. That's right. <laughs> How's that going so far? Yeah, quick update. Um, so today is the 10th day of publishing. So I haven't missed a day. I'm, I'm 10 in. Out of the 10, two are shorts. So 20%. That actually, nice. we're right on with the Perfect. 20, the 20% we said we'd do with shorts. Um it's going, I'd say it's going well because I haven't missed a day yet, but it's been hard. <laughs> um, keeping up with that, uh, out of those 10 videos, two of them so far were not edited by me. Um, so I've edited eight of them myself, planned and filmed them myself. Um, and so I'm, I'm already picking up on, if I'm doing this much editing, I need to film them better so there's less <laughs> editing. But also... Um, I, you know, just like everybody else, I want them to be good, right? I want to be really good. So I'm taking longer on the edits than I probably have to. And um, it's, I'm just finding that in my normal, you might think like, this is your full-time work. This is what you do. No. no, it's actually not. What I do all day, every day is mostly run all of this. Um, there's a lot of work for Project 24. There's a lot of work to make our normal YouTube channels. So um, I am putting some work time into this every day, but... I'm going home and editing in the evening, uh, right. helping out less at home. And fortunately, um, Julie, my wife's been really supportive. And so um, she's been picking up a little bit of slack there um, and just like giving me a little bit more room to just get home and sit down and, and get back to work editing. Yeah. We um, talked about this briefly in the first episode that, you know, even though your full-time job is content and running this business, you were already completely completely full, completely right. busy with your full work week before starting this challenge. Yeah. And so you don't, you don't have extra time to do it. You're going to have to use some of your free time or what was before your free time mm -hmm. to work on it. And that's what I love about challenges like this. What you just said about how, you know, you can't, you can't keep making the videos the way you have been because right. the, the edits are taking too long. So you have to find a solution now and it's forcing you to be better. Even though you have a ton of experience, you already know what mm -hmm. you're doing. It's forcing you to just keep improving and keep being that much better. So that's really fun. I think there's huge value in challenges for that reason, um, to sort of stretch what you know, what you already can do and to sort of force you to make honestly like step level improvements. Um, it's actually really funny. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to pull jujitsu into this podcast. Do it. Um, <laughs> I haven't competed yet. I've been training for, um, over a year and a half now, but I've never competed. And some of the people that compete, they, they told us like very clearly just this last week, they said, if you sign up for a competition and do it, even if you only end up in one match, your skill level will improve like a, just a whole step. Wow just because of the focus that that you're going to put into the training, but also going into that competition, that just that one experience, suddenly your game improves. The pressure, it's just different than the practice. It's, it's yeah. going to yeah. stretch you in different ways. And I think the challenges like this do the same thing. And it's honestly got me thinking about the content we make, even for like income school channel makers. These videos, you know, 
maybe there's a way that we can make them better and maybe we can simplify some things in our process and make more engaging videos. Uh, this is just kind of stretching, uh, definitely stretching <laughs> what I'm doing. And honestly, like, there's some legitimate concern that I might not be able to publish daily. I've, I'm a third of the way through it, but I have a lot of videos that are not yet filmed. I have some that uh, are planned. I came into this challenge with only about 10 video ideas lined up. Now I have like 40, but a lot of them are going to take a fair amount of pre-work because I'm trying to not just make like super easy, super fast just get something published just to publish. I want every video to be of a quality that if someone watched it a year from now, they would look like the videos that I'll be making when I'm publishing weekly or whatever. It's a good goal. So it's, it's a lot of work. And so legitimately it's going to be very difficult to publish daily. I, I don't have any videos finished editing. So I have no lead. Like what I edit today will be published tomorrow. Um, I've got a good start on the one for tomorrow and I'm hoping to finish two today so I can get a one day lead. So what yeah. if something goes wrong? Like let's say that the audio, you know, you, you get home at night and the audio's messed up on the one that's supposed to go out tomorrow. What's your plan for that? Yeah, you know, at any given time, like I'm taking, I on my laptop, I have at least two videos worth of the files for, okay. for, for a couple of videos that are filmed. So fortunately I'm, probably about five videos ahead. Plus I have some videos where I just have B-roll that I filmed before um, that I could just do a kind of a talking head, um, explain, you know, the concept and use a ton of B-roll. And I could probably make that happen even at home. Fortunately, I only live about five minutes from here. So if I had to just like turn around and come back, like my wife would support that. I could just come in here <laughs> and record for 15 minutes, just make a video and then use a bunch of B-roll. I Basically, like to succeed at this, it's going to happen. And I'm confident it's going to happen only because I'm not going to let it not happen. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only way that yeah. it will happen. Otherwise, it's a, something like this is just too hard. If it's not the priority, mm -hmm. there's going to be a day when it doesn't work out. Yes. And I think it's really important, of course, in your situation, like this is a very public podcast and public channel. Right. And it's awesome that your wife, Julie, is so supportive. Um, but for anyone listening that's doing their own challenge, or even if it's not like a specific time constrained challenge, I think it is really important to take it seriously and vocalize that so that the people in your right. life also take it seriously instead of just like, oh, that's your little hobby. It can, it can <laughs> wait, <laughs> even if it's not monetized yet. So, yeah. yeah. I'd say even if you're not doing like a specific challenge like this, if you're saying, I'm going to publish weekly and I'm starting my channel and I want to have six videos done before I start. Great. Do that. But set a time for when you're going to publish that first video. Otherwise you will never have six mm -hmm. videos ready and vocalize that again. Like you said, I think that's exactly right. Like vocalize that to the people around you that support you and say, this is what I'm doing. And I've got two weeks to get these six videos ready to go before I'm going to publish the first one. Um, that is what's going to make it happen. Yeah. So recently, not to jump in here, yeah, but my, kind of my version of that. So I started a channel very recently, like Julia said, um, and I'd been wanting to start this channel for quite a long time, mm -hmm. um, but just never, never did it. I never put the timeline on it. And for me, what it ended up looking like was finding someone who would do videos with me yeah. um, and then having that person to be accountable to. Um, and that's been incredibly helpful over the last few weeks um, because there have been times where it's like, man, I got to have a video out tonight and I don't have anything. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then there's a little bit of pressure on me from uh, my partner on the, ch on the channel. And it's like, Hey, you got to get this done. Uh, which last night I was up at 1145 filming a short 
because I had to. I had to get it out before midnight because we had not missed a publishing date yet. And so anyway, I just think that the accountability side is so important. And I think that maybe that's a, there's, there's a lot of value there for that. And I will say, I drove past the office this morning at 6.30 and the lights were on. Nathan was already here. So um, <laughs> Nathan's definitely giving up sleep to make sure this happens. Got to get the content out. It's tough. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, one, something that's interesting about that to me is you are not really just splitting into different roles. Are you, you're kind of both doing yeah. everything. Yeah. And so it's not just, Oh, well I have to get this filmed so that right. he can edit it. Edit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're still doing all the same steps you would be if you were doing it alone. Right. But just knowing that somebody else is counting on you and that they have that expectation is what's making you follow through so well. And you have published, tell us, is it 40? Yeah, so we published 40 full length. So the channel's been up for 10 weeks. Uh, We did do, we took two weeks to get a lead of 12 videos before we started publishing. So 12 weeks in total, but we published our first video 10 weeks ago. We've done 40 full length videos and then 120 shorts up at at this point. So it's four full length videos every single week. Yeah. And then 12 shorts. Yeah. So yeah, so that's six shorts each a week week, and then two full length videos. So it's about a video a day. Um, between the shorts and the full length. So it's been a pretty aggressive publishing schedule, um, but I have learned so much. <laughs> it's been really awesome to see. Are you surprised? Do you look back and think, I can't believe we published yeah. that many videos? Yes. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because I think that the topic that we chose to publish on is it's kind of a competitive space. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the other channels that we saw that were very similar had a very aggressive publishing schedule. And so it felt like this is kind of what we needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far we've been seeing some great results and it's good to see the feedback, you know, in the early days of publishing, it's hard because there's not a lot of data to go off of. Right. Um, and so the more videos that you can get out, um, the better. And we're trying to learn as we go, you know, uh, I'm not the best video editor, but over the course of 60 to 80 videos, I've become better. Yeah. Um, and so there's just a lot of good learnings along the way. And how have you... Have you become much more efficient? Are you spending less time on your edits or are they just better edits, but you're still spending the same amount of time that you were at the beginning? Efficient, yes. Um, I wouldn't say that it's always better quality. I think that there's some things that we've done just to try and improve like time saving. So a lot of times on my way home from work, I'll just open like a notes app and I'll just start talking and outline. Um, So then by the time I get home, I can pretty much just spend five minutes kind of fixing any typos or anything and then just film. So there's little things like that where, you know, I used to... Okay, you can laugh at me here. I used to listen to the radio on the way home, um, which I know no one does that anymore. Like but FM, right? Yes, <laughs> FM radio, but it's still uh, broadcast. <laughs> yeah, it's still out there, guys. <laughs> um, but now, a lot of times, I'll script videos on the way home, or yeah. or kind of come up with ideas. So there's been a lot of things like that, um, and then little things that we learn edit in editing. Um, so I'm doing the channel with my brother. We both use the same editing software, um, DaVinci Resolve. Um, we both use it. So then, you know, he'll learn something and then he'll say, Hey, look what I found. And then I'm able to do the same thing. Um, and it's just been really awesome uh, to kind of have that feedback and, uh, help each other. Yeah. And Ricky with your edits, how much time are they taking and have you, have you found ways to shorten it? I know you've already been at this for a long time, so you're not going to probably make huge changes in how you do things, but yeah, there's a few things. Um, you know, uh, I am spending, and it's 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 varied a little bit from video to video. Um, there have been a couple of videos where I filmed a bunch of B-roll because I'm doing the thing I'm demonstrating, right? But it's, it's it's something that takes a long time. So while I'm doing it, I'm just getting clips. I have a literally just have a camera on a tripod around me, and when I go to the next step, 
I put the camera there where it can see the next step. I hit record and I just keep doing it. And then once I've done it a couple of times, I turn record off and then I work through the whole rest of that process. Right. And then I go to the next step, turn the camera on, go. And so I have like all these random little clips. And so then I go and I stand just in a normal, in a room and I talk at the camera and I just talk through all those steps, give the helpful tips that I use throughout. It helps that I know the process really well that I'm describing, but now I have a ton of B-roll to cut in there. And so some, those videos often have taken me the longest. Uh, the first time I did it, what I did is I took all those B-roll clips and I strung those together. I trimmed them down to where I thought each segment was kind of long enough to show it. I, and I thought I would just do a voiceover. And then I realized like that doesn't work that well for me. And so I ended up just, you know, I had it right in front of me so I could kind of play it and then talk about it as I went. But then I would end up wanting to give an, an extra little tip here. And so I ended up needing to show me standing there talking quite a bit, uh, which, which is great. That was fine. But what it meant was I wasted a lot of time getting those B-roll clips all nicely lined up and everything when I just didn't need that. It was actually easier for me to just talk through the whole thing and insert the pieces over the top. So I did another one of those videos yesterday. It probably still overall took that edit probably took like three hours, but I mean, I'm trying to do everything. It helps other things I've done that have helped a lot. Um, I reuse a lot of the same assets for my videos. So if I make a nice title, like we put words on the screen, or in some of these cases, Andrea made a better looking one because she's a much better designer and video editor. And she's the one that edited a couple of my videos, right? So, so she made something that looked really great. I said, I want that, you know? Yeah. And so then I just get her to give that to me. So then I can copy and paste, change the words, but the styles are already there. I don't have to waste my time recreating that every single time. And it's actually funny because a couple of years ago, um, that's what we were doing. Like Andrea was editing our videos and in every video she would make new little assets. And sometimes she would want to do something very similar to what she'd already done, but she'd create it again. And at one point I was like, Oh, Andrea, I'm just taking the ones you've made and, and copying them, or I'm taking ones I've made and reusing them. And she didn't realize that I could literally grab those assets, those clips or whatever from one video project and literally just paste it into another and boom, it's there with all the styles. Cool. She didn't even know that she could do that. And so that saved her a ton of time. So there are some of those things like that that we've just figured out over years of doing this um, that are saving me a ton of time. The other thing I do is um, if I know there's lots of clips where I said something, I kind of messed up and I, and I go back. Um, if I know that there's a lot of that in a video, I actually do my clipping backwards. I start at the end. Usually my very last take of anything is the one I liked best. Uh -huh. So I'll go back until I find a break. I'll listen through it. I know everything that's there. And then I'll go to the segment before it and I'll start listening and I'll start watching it there. And as soon as I get to the part where, oh, this is the same as what comes later, I cut and I know all that in, in the middle Smart. there is wasted. It's gone. Um, but with these videos, I'm just doing that way less because I'm not re reshooting. I'm just choosing to like be human, you know? Yeah. If I really like get stuck and it's like, oh, I, or I said something wrong, like I just completely misspoke, I'll cut it out. But most, most of the time I'm just recording straight through. If anything, I'll take a five second pause somewhere, look at my notes and just get, get going again. And I'm doing one take 
So that much of that. So much yeah. time. It's dependent on the context. You know, yes, it's like that's true. It feels like when we're filming videos. For me, I know so many times it feels like I can't keep going. I right. lose, you know, lose track of what I'm saying. I get stuck, and I have to restart. And I restart, uh -huh. and I restart, and I restart. But then when you're in a situation like a podcast, I mean, we cut this up a little bit, but, but not little, really, right? very yeah. little, or even you know, a live situation, um, masterminds or things like that, like. We can't just make it work. Yeah, you just you make do it, it work. Yeah. yeah, and it. I think you really get used to it faster than you might expect. Even in the moment, you know, it's not just like yeah. okay, well, if you do it ten times, then you'll get used to it. Like that it's very literally day mindset. Like, yeah, I'm just doing this one time, and so you just do it. Yeah, I do find though that when I'm editing these videos, I kind of get annoyed at myself because I'm like, oh, how many? I just kept saying um like thirteen oh. times, you know, <laughs> or uh, there was one video where I said the same phrase like six times in the video. And I can't even now remember what it was, but it was just some kind of little, um, oh, it was like, and so there's, and so there's that. And so I said that like six times in the video. <laughs> and as I'm editing it, cause I'm watching everything like seven times, you know, when you're editing and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said it again. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, these people watching me are going to hate me. They're going to think I'm so annoying. Um, as soon as you make content, yeah. you know, your filler words, <laughs> <laughs> you know, them all. <laughs> yeah. And so that brings up a question in my mind. Is it faster? Do you think to, you know, of course you could do neither of these, but do you think it would be faster to just not do any second takes on any part of it? You know, so, so don't, try that section again you're just going to keep going all the way through and then have to cut out those ums or those filler words especially if you have like two cameras going where you can easily cut and hide mm -hmm. any mistakes or do you think it's faster to re-say things and then cut out that whole part so you don't have to cut out any ums or filler words if you were trying to get to that quality yeah um, um. <laughs> that's tricky because most of the time if I'm going to do longer segments, I'm not going to worry as much about the filler words. But if that's the case, what I'm going to do is plan to just film one, you know, one bullet point from my notes, film that, and then decide what did I think of that okay. and move on, right? I do prefer the segments over trying to just like perfect every sentence. Because when you try to perfect every sentence, I, you literally just have to listen to everything yeah they're in uh, i save a ton of time in my edits if there's just a segment and i'm like i can see on the audio file right i can see the waveform and it's like there's no breaks here so cool for this section of two minutes i'm it's probably fine and in my first round i don't even listen to all of it um i i, I probably i probably end up listening to it but i don't have to mm -hmm. right because I'm going to come back through and re-listen to everything and add on-screen titles and stuff in different places. And um, and then at the end, I'm probably going to re-watch the whole video again. And every now and then I find spots where I where I did slip up and I was like, uh, I mean, and then I repeat. And it's like, okay, cool. I could I could trim some of that out. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of the fine cuts. Okay. Um, but, but doing that just makes it so I can have a two-minute clip that instead of having to listen to that 15 times to f and and cut out every little um or whatever and switch camera angles. I just, you know, I listen to it more quickly. And when I find a spot where a cut to the other camera angle, because I do like having two cameras, not always, but I find the spot where the cut to the other camera angle would be more 
like impactful, right? Where, oh, at this moment, it'd be great to grab their attention again. Um, and so I can be more intentional with the changes in camera angle. Yeah, and that's a big thing for anybody listening. I think yeah. two cameras sounds like it would take more time, but the edit is by far your most time-consuming piece. It's not the recording. Way, way more. And so it really speeds things up. Um, and even if most people probably don't have two nice cameras, if you have, you know, a phone, just make sure the FPS frames per second is the same, as similar as you can with the 4K yeah. and the exposure and whatever other settings you have. Um, and then, yeah, if you can just cut to the other camera because then the cuts look natural. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it saves time in filming too because then you can you can repeat things more and however right. you need to do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Nathan, have you found any tricks that work for you personally as far as like, just trying to do one take or do you prefer to break it up more? Because I don't think there's really a right yeah. way completely. Yeah. yeah. No, it was interesting to hear a little bit of your process, Ricky. I, I don't know. I think that for me, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not especially interesting on camera. As I watch <laughs> myself back, I'm always like, man, you look so, so, so sleepy and boring. <laughs> and so a lot, very recently I've, I'll try and, I've tried to move away from the single take a little bit, uh -huh. um, yeah. which I prefer because it just is so much easier in the editing. It makes it faster. Um, but I feel like if I break it up into smaller segments, maybe 15 to 30 second segments, I just can, I focus more on the energy that I'm kind of presenting with and talking with. So yeah. uh, does it help with the editing faster? No, I don't think it makes editing faster, but I do think it improves my video quality a little bit. And so to me, that trade-off is good. Um, I'm still uh, on single camera filming with my iPhone. I would like a second camera. I think that that would be nice. I think it'd make the cuts look more natural. Um, but for now, since I just have a singular phone, you know, I'm filming in 4k. So, um, sometimes I'll just cut in, uh, you know, like yeah, kind of a, a kind of a crop or zoom yeah. in and that it has a similar effect. It's still not as good as a second angle, but, um, I can still kind of grab the, the viewer's attention or make it just look intentional. Right. Um, so little things like that. And I was interested. So you're a bullet point scripter then for the, yeah, for for the, the most part. part. Um, and I think I am too, but there are some videos that I've been doing recently where scripting out at least certain sections almost mm -hmm. just, it makes it the filming so much better. Okay. Um, I found that a lot of times for my intros, especially yes. I'll try and like more carefully wordsmith and script, maybe the first 15 to 30 seconds of the video. Mm -hmm. And I think it misses, makes it so punchy and so interesting. Um, yeah. And so that, that's something that I've done so that I don't have to like chop up every one second of the first 30 seconds of the video. <laughs> I just try and be really intentional with that first 30 seconds so that it just comes across as really punchy. And then I can kind of leave those sections. I agree with that entirely. The other thing too is, um, your topic is going to impact this a bit. Yes. Um, the one, what I'm doing, there's a lot more visual. There's a lot more, like I'm, I have stuff I'm demonstrating mm -hmm. with, um, products I'm using. Uh, and so it feels a lot easier to just sort of naturally have a conversation about it with the audience. Right. Whereas if I were presenting, um, on just something much more information heavy and don't necessarily have like props and visual aids, right. To use, then it's a lot harder to just talk for, you just don't have those same cues. Right. When I have a product I'm demonstrating, it's like, it's a constant cue in front of me. And that helps a lot with just letting it flow. Mm -hmm. um, we've experienced that because we've made really diverse channels before and we've done a lot of very information heavy. But, um, you know, having done like what we did with the Backfire channel, 
that was so easy to film. The, I mean, Jim and I would comment all the time. Backfire videos are so easy. I wish income school mm -hmm. videos were this easy. Mm -hmm. They're just not. And yeah. we would get like way more views because it's just a much bigger audience. Yeah. So um, anyway, whatever your topic is, like don't don't compare mm -hmm. <laughs> your views. Mm -hmm. Don't compare the difficulty. It's just, it's going to be a different thing and you're going to have to find what works for you. Yeah. But I will say that I've, I kind of worked through the same thing that you did. I'm naturally much more like calm. Mm -hmm. I don't exaggerate but on YouTube, like people assume things are exaggerated. So if you aren't exaggerated, right. then people are like, oh, this guy's super boring, right? And so, but I don't naturally do that. And so I did go through a phase, especially after Jim left, where I was starting to film much, like a lot more solo mm -hmm. information videos Yeah, where I did more of that. It's like 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds. Right. And it helped a lot. Right. So I do think it could just also be part of sort of a, a learning process to work through that, but it's not going to save you editing time. Yeah. And I think doing whatever you're not used to is a great way to stretch yourself. Yeah. Like, so if you are used to doing one take, then the best way for you to grow and improve, even though it's going to increase the editing mm -hmm. time a little bit is to, even if it's just a section, you know, like I know you're saying you like to script the intro. I think that's super smart because with intros, you don't have a second to waste. If you repeat yeah. yourself, right. You have one filler word. People are just like, their hands on the button. They're ready to <laughs> skip. <laughs> so you cannot afford to not have that pacing be super good in yeah. the intro. And some people can do it, you know, off the cuff, but I think scripting it is pretty smart. Um, you know, but for somebody who's maybe they're used to scripting everything. Okay. So try one day to script everything yeah. except for maybe one little section in the middle or maybe the end, try to just do it naturally. And then you'll have the benefits of being able to do it more off the cuff and maybe your audience will like that natural feel, especially later on in the video. And I think yeah. the opposite also applies. Like if you're used to just doing bullet points and kind of winging it, try to challenge yourself to do a section that is more scripted and up the energy or up the, yeah. you know, change something about it. Right. And then whatever way you're stretching yourself, then maybe you'll be able to do both. You know, you'll be able to combine it and like, no, okay, now I can have this upped energy and no script or, yeah. you know, vice versa. So yeah, I think whatever you can, whatever you don't want to do is probably what you should be <laughs> trying to do a little bit more of, but a little bit at a time, right? Cause you don't want to hate it. That's I think I need to start exaggerating more than, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I really liked, I like what you said, Julia. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest value that I see in like a challenge, like you're, what you're doing, Ricky, like, you know, yours is very content, you know, this many videos, like one video a day, but your challenge, anybody's challenge could look different. Yes. It could be focused on the editing. It could be focused on the scripting or the, you know, the research or whatever, the filming. Um, you don't just have to do, oh, I just need to pump out more content. That's not always the no. right answer, yeah. um, depending on where your channel is. But you could always find somewhere to improve. And so if you have the, the determination or like you just want to try something that's kind of challenging or to kind of push your boundaries or limits a little bit, give it a go. Uh, just yeah. figure out what it is for you. Like, like what you said, Julia, like it doesn't have to be um, anything. It doesn't have to be everything at once. Just pick something specific. Mm -hmm. or even, yeah. Even a small portion yeah. Of, yeah. of the video. Absolutely. Um, so we plan to talk about shorts. Yep. <laughs> I don't know how many of these we will get through. Um, we had more to talk about regarding the challenge than I expected. Um, shorts are interesting right now. Yeah. We're getting some, some news about them and I swear things with shorts changes like all the time. I think because they're still relatively new can in relative to the whole lifetime right. of YouTube, yeah. it feels like they've been around forever. Why is it so, why don't we have thumbnails yet? Why, 
<laughs> Why yeah. can't they? And then they keep going back and forth on if they can link to the video or not. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place because yeah. YouTube is still testing them out. Um, so let's talk about a few things. Um, I think length is a big one. So Nathan, have you noticed any trends with length and how well your shorts are doing? Yes. So a, a couple things. The first thing is that I, I've been making very short shorts um, and really anything <laughs> like 15, maybe 20 seconds or less. Um, I find that those typically do better than the ones that I've done that were like 30 to 45 seconds long. Um, I do, however, think that there's maybe a couple of reasons for that. So I'm doing a couple styles of shorts. Um, some I'll clip from long form content and those ones ended up being a little bit longer. And so they weren't as entertaining. Uh -huh. They weren't as punchy and interesting. And so I think that might be why, uh, because this is the channel that I've started is kind of education entertainment mix. And so they, since it wasn't just super upbeat and super interesting, it was, you know, more long form style. Those didn't do as well. Um, and then I'll film some um, that I'll kind of remix kind of with the YouTube app, or I'll kind of just film a really short style short. Um, and those have done better. I think just because people are, their attention spans are short um, and anything that's like 15 seconds or less, um, it's not hard to get, I shouldn't say that because a lot of people do swipe away from my shorts. Mm. It's that, it's the, it seems like the shorter the time is, the easier it is to get people to stay, especially if you're sharing something like what I've been doing is sharing like a specific piece of information, maybe a fact or a statistic or something like that, where um, it's not necessarily like crazy Mr. Beast entertainment, but it's interesting and it's right. intriguing. And I think that for a, a kind of an information style channel, that type of thing works really well. I mean, that's where we've seen our, the most success with our channel. <laughs> so one of the things that you mentioned the other day, uh, just, I mean, you shared an example, a specific example, and it just got me thinking like, I'm still, I'm still packing way too much into shorts. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was either the same day or the next day, Cody sent me something that his wife showed him on Facebook that had to do with my niche. And I was like, I can make a short out of that. And it's 19 seconds long. Yeah. And it got more than twice as many views as my other short all in the first day. Like in a matter of hours, it way outperformed the other short that I made that was like 58 seconds long <laughs> because it's like, I'm just putting too much into right. it. And, and with the swipe away, YouTube has not told us if that is a certain number of seconds, if it's right. a percentage, they won't tell us what counts as a swipe it's away, like which a is not complex algorithm. Yes. Yeah. They don't want us to know because they don't want <laughs> us to game it, which makes sense. We've talked about running some tests. I think it'd be really hard. We might be able to get yeah. A little more information or I should say theorize like we're not gonna get it down to a science we're not gonna no. figure out what they're doing but we might be able to discover some interesting things um but I think to Nathan's point about that is like if you're short it's short and it's not hard to get people to just stay on it for the 10 to 15 seconds maybe up to 20 seconds mm -hmm. um you know if you can capture someone's interest that long and they watch the whole thing and let it restart again the odds, I mean, YouTube's going to count that as a view. Like, no question. If they watched 100% of it, it's a view. Yeah, but the, what they haven't told us is, like, what's a view versus what's a swipe away? And um, it's it's apparently a fairly complicated algorithm. Um, and But if you can get people to engage with it in any way, if you can get somebody to go into the comments, if you can get, like, if you can get someone to click into a description, right, those things 
even if they swipe away after, those things seem to be indicators to YouTube. They intentionally interacted with this short. So we're going to count that as a view. So there's, there's a, I think, a, a few things that could go into what counts as a view and what doesn't. And the swipe away versus view ratio seems to be the thing that determines whether your short continues to spread yes. or just stops. Yeah. And then... The average view duration, Sometimes, right. I mean, I believe you were saying, Nathan, right, that on one of your shorts, the average view duration was longer than the length right. of the short. Right. Because yeah, people like watching it. percent of yeah. what the short length actually was. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And did you notice anything different about that short compared to your other ones or not really? Was there um, something compelling about maybe the comments or the description or anything like that? Not the comments or description. I'd say the only thing about the that one specific short was it, it was one that I had remixed. So I had cl taken a clip from another creator, which is totally above board uh -huh. uh, with YouTube with taking a little clip from their short. And then I added kind of my own take on the end of it. Um, and the thing, the clip that I took from this other creator, uh, they had made a very incorrect statement. I mean, uh -huh. it was like blaringly wrong. Yeah. And so I kind of poked a little fun at it in mice in the kind of the second half of the short. And so I think people had to kind of, rewatch it i mean it was only like nine seconds total yeah so people had to end up i think they had to rewatch it so that they could figure out exactly what the guy said that was so wrong because at first at face value he was so confident in what he said it sounded like he was right but then if you think about it it's like wait he's totally off but he should know what he's talking about anyway so i think that that was just it i think that kind of like what ricky said there are some reasons for maybe people to stick around longer i think if it's something really interesting intriguing maybe even a little confusing um, or, you know, some people will like yeah. put extra details for you to read or the comments. Those There are some of those little levers that you can use, especially on the uh -huh. really short, uh, short shorts. <laughs> I can only say that so many times. <laughs> um, but I think some of those things really can determine if people are sticking around a little bit longer and then counting for maybe additional views or just longer view duration. I also think, too, just I notice in my own viewing behavior is that if when the short ends and then restarts, you can't quite tell that that happened. Yeah. And it was also, it captured your attention. You know what I mean? Like it has to do both, right? right? If it doesn't capture my attention long enough, I don't care when the end was, I'm just swiping away. But if it captures your attention and then it restarts and you're like, oh, I've already seen this before. You know, it's like, you're probably going to end up watching yeah. it more than once. And so if it ends before you expected it to end, um, or before you maybe wanted it to end, right. and then it seamlessly restarts, the odds of somebody watching it, watching more of the second time through, I think go up. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess lots of useful little tips in there. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how, like what you said, with, you know, they needed to watch it again to catch the thing that they weren't paying attention to at the beginning. Right. Right. It reminds me of almost like of a movie where at the end they reveal how the whole thing happened. And you're like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like mystery or caper movie or something. Um, and then that almost makes you want to watch the movie again or, right. you know, certain sci-fi. Okay. I, now I can see how all this was happening. Mm -hmm. And I think I have, now that you say that seen other people doing that with shorts. And that seems like a very difficult thing to do intentionally, but yeah. it, mm -hmm. it's also a way that creators could in most niches figure out how to replicate that mm -hmm. in some mm -hmm. way without having to have the exact same situation yeah. you did. And so I'm just curious about you know, messing with that dial, trying to use yeah. that strategy and more things, even though it would be 
stuff to come up with content mm-hmm. that does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, really kind of the marketing around the store. And, you know, you brought up kind of gaming the system earlier. I don't think that's what this is. It's really being very intentional with yeah. the content. You know, when I saw the clip of the guy who said something very wrong, I thought, ooh, people love a little bit of controversy. And if, if they could actually figure out what he said was wrong, they, you know, they're going to just be so interested in that. And so that wasn't something, you know, I, it wasn't something I had said, but it was something that I just came across as I was right. going through uh, YouTube. And so anyway, I think you're right. I think that those things are um, important and I think that you can try and be intentional, but it's not going to be easy in every case. Yeah. And if there's some compelling reason why some, why somebody should click into a video description or the comments mm-hmm. or something additional, if you can get them to do that and the short keeps playing while they are reading through your description or commenting on the video, it's going to play through multiple right. times, especially right. if it's a 15 second short. Yeah, totally. And like what you were saying with it repeating, uh-huh. that's another thing that we have to remember is, okay, so yes, we have up to a minute for shorts, mm-hmm. but that's not the point is to take the whole minute. The point is to give people a really good experience mm-hmm. and err on the side of a little bit less than they want, which yes. is the same thing with long form. It's the right. same thing with podcasts. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing with any kind of content is leave them wanting more. Yeah. And you might think, okay, well, people watch a 15 minute long form video, or maybe they at least watch eight minutes on average of right. my 15 minute video. So people you know, have the attention span for eight minutes of my content. Well, with shorts, they're not in that mode. Nope. They're in a mode of like, scroll, I'm just, you know, I'm not sitting here like invested. I didn't, I wasn't compelled by a thumbnail and a title and a hook. They're just scrolling. They were scrolling. They hit your video. Are they going to stay or not? Well, depends on if you delivered in the first three seconds. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, so leaving them wanting more in that case is usually a shorter short. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, you know, we've been kind of talking maybe like below 20 seconds, but I have seen longer shorts also Mm -hmm. work, but a lot of times they're very story focused. Yes. Almost like a full length video mega chopped into like 45 to 60 seconds. Mm. Yes. It's like, and then a lot of times voiceover. So maybe like, you know, B roll from what looks like maybe a longer video uh, voiceover. And then a lot of times they still do uh, kind of what you guys are talking about. They leave you wanting more and it's like, you know, stick around for part two or whatever, you know, it could, it'll go the whole 45 or 60 seconds. But then a lot of times there's still that it ends like mid content. Yes. It yeah. will end mid content. So it kind of forces you to want a little bit more. So I do see those longer ones working cause I get sucked, sucked into them as well. But, um, but I haven't found for me on, on the channel that I'm working on. I haven't found that yet. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have like a 15 second hook to, to reel them in to a mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. You have two seconds of hook right. to reel them into right. the story. And if you yep. can, captivate them from the very beginning, then yeah, you can get them to watch longer and then leave them wanting more. Yep. Yeah. And it's the density and the pacing and the, yeah. you know, it's the amount that you get into the amount of time. I don't think it's necessarily that, yeah, it has to be under 20 seconds. It could be 45. It could be 59 seconds, mm-hmm. but it's how much is packed in to that amount of time that really makes people want to keep watching your shorts or find your channel. Um, which brings us to another thing. Reach versus like revenue, Mm. Uh short strategy. Let's talk about how much you can earn on shorts and is it worth it to to make shorts for the monetization purpose alone or is it more a way to just broaden your audience? Honestly, it's a way to broaden your audience. There's gotta be some call to action of some kind, right? 
we it could it could be that I make a short just to get the brand, my YouTube channel name and brand and you know imagery just seen much more so that as those same people come across it, the long form content, they're like, oh, that's familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be too that that there's a, a compelling reason that I give them to want to uh, comment on that video or actually click over to a long form video or click over to my website. And any of that stuff is really helpful. Um, honestly, the shorts, on a per video basis, the two shorts I've published on this channel have driven more subscribers per video than any long form video yet. Um, I don't know that that'll always be the case, but the shorts are spreading substantially faster. Very first short in the very first day goes out to over 400 people. The other videos, it's like maybe 10 in the first day. Um, Some of them five or six in the first day. And, And they're starting to pick up. You know, I'm on day 10 and I've got a long form video with like 130 some odd views. I have others with 40, 50 views already, which I actually find to be pretty encouraging considering I didn't just go to like my whole family and say, everybody watch my videos. Right. You know, um, definitely have a few like supportive friends that are like, you know, choosing to watch every video. Um, but even that's tapered off. Even I'm not watching my, (laughs) like I'm not playing it on my own account. Right. Yeah. I'm just letting them exist uh, naturally. Um, but those videos are, are the ones that have driven the most engagement since then with my channel. But when it comes to revenue, um, I pulled this up the other day. I got these numbers from another channel that's got, let me see here, uh, in, in hours of watch time, they have 1.9 million hours of shorts watch time. That's 166 million views, people. Like, that is a lot of views, right? Wild. Um, on the same channel, they have 4.7 million watch hours of long form content over the same time period. That's, um, not quite two and a half times, right? The long form content over this time frame has earned them $196,000. The short form content has earned them $6,000. You are not going yeah. to make a living off of ad revenue from shorts unless you're like, somebody's sponsoring you because you're like a major influencer or um, you're using it somehow to drive people to go make a purchase. Uh, that's the only way you're making money from shorts. Also using it to grow your brand. Yeah. And that's, I think, the main yeah. reason to do them. Because the ads, it's just how so is it going to work for YouTube? They yeah. need to, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. 166 million views, $6,000. Yeah. It's a lot of views. The I guess the thing that I'm happy about even though it's very little money i mean unless you're putting out a short a day and getting 10 to 50 million views a day you're just not really going to make anything worth making if you're trying to support yourself but i guess one thing that i am happy about is i feel like youtube is kind of leading the charge on monetization of short yes that's true which i think is good um it's not a lot Uh, it's interesting i pulled up a google support doc about uh, short monetization and it's interesting they walk through some hypothetical examples and even in their hypothetical examples the numbers are just painful (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like you get a million views and you get 400 bucks you know it's just like it's so small because you're sharing with across so many creators and there's music licensing and there's just so much that goes into it where by the time, by the time your share is left on the table, it's just so small. So I think you're right. I think the brand building and especially for small channels, yeah. you know, uh, as I mentioned, shorts have been a really big part of the content I've produced on this channel over the past 10 weeks. 
And that is because of exactly what you said. You know, I think out of 175 subscribers gained or whatever, like 120 of them were from shorts. Yeah. Um, and that's a lot. That's so much more than I could have got from a long form video. And, you know, I can film a short, you know, if I just hold up my phone, film a quick 15 second short, I can have it published in like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Whereas a long form video is going to take me, you know, the scripting and then the filming and then the editing, maybe four hours, five hours if I'm lucky uh, total. So it's just... It seems like in the early days, as long as the shorts audience is what you want on your channel, but if you're smart about it, I think you can use that to start building your channel. And something interesting that I found about short subscribers is, you know, sometimes I'll put out a short, get 10 subscribers. And then over the next like 48 hours, usually four or five of them will unsub. Uh -huh. um, and so I, I don't really know, but I have a hypothesis about that. That And so anyway, I guess before I see the hypothesis, I think that getting five subscribers from a short that took me 30 minutes, especially with the size of my channel, is awesome. Uh -huh. My hypothesis is, and Julia mentioned this earlier, when people are scrolling through short, they're just in a different mindset. It's kind of an entertain me kind of mindset. You know, mm -hmm. it's just um, I want to turn my brain off a little bit. But there's not a great way to kind of earmark things that you're interested in right. when you're scrolling through the feed. And so I kind of wonder if people occasionally will use the subscribe button oh. to kind of save the channel um, because maybe they just think, oh, that was an interesting short. I'd be interested to hear what their long form content's about or something or like some version of that. Or even save the video almost. Yeah. yeah. Just so that they can find it again yeah. potentially. Um, anyway, I kind of wonder if that's the case. And then maybe a certain percentage of those either go back to the channel or decide they don't want to be subscribed anymore. Um, I still think it's worth it, even yeah. if we lose, you know, 30 or 40% of the subscribers from each short, because they leave quickly. It's not yeah. like they're staying around for 10 months and then they leave. Um, but anyway, that that's something that I've wondered. Um, and I think for small channels who are trying to grow a subscriber base, you know, find their audience, shorts can be a really good way to do that. Yeah, I think it's just really key that the short form content, you said this, Nathan, but I want to reiterate it it attracts the same kind of audience that you want for your long form content. Yeah. Um, and so it needs to, even though we're talking short, we're talking snappy, mm -hmm. but it needs to be the same kind of information. Yeah. It needs to be on the same subject matter, of course, yeah. and be of a style that it would attract the right kind of people. Because right. if we get, you know, oh, you got a million subscribers from shorts, but none of them watch your long form videos, yeah. your long form videos aren't going to spread. Because right. when YouTube tests that with your audience, they're like, well, nobody watches your long form content. Right. And I wonder too, if people, maybe some of these people that are subscribing just really love shorts. And so mm -hmm, then, especially right. since you're publishing so mm -hmm. frequently, when you publish a long form video, they're like, oh, I don't want the notification right. from that. Right. Um, because I would think that it's unlikely that they would think to go unsubscribe unless mm -hmm. they get that notification. Mm -hmm. Very possible. But this is why I love that you are starting your own channel because we spend so much time like analyzing this stuff. We mm -hmm. really do. We look at like, okay, well, you know, what causes people to swipe away from a short? What causes people to subscribe? Do people really even subscribe from shorts when they're scrolling through? Do they think to subscribe? And then Nathan, you just, you're like so analytical, but you also notice things. Yeah. You don't just analyze it. I feel like you really notice these nuances that I wouldn't have ever mm -hmm. thought of probably. <laughs> and so that's, that just makes me excited that yeah. you're starting your own channel. So you have this case study. And then every time you find these little things that I would not have thought of. So adding to that, like, there we've started so many different channels right at this at income school um but it's been a while since we really started a new one that we were really going all in yeah. on right? yeah it's been basically since around well we did a few since backfire but we didn't follow through right. with them long term right. it was more of like a learning 
ground, right? And so that was the most recent one. And it's been a few years since we started that one. So, you know, and starting it again, I'm seeing once again, the value in doing it over and over again. 100%. Um, we can analyze hundreds of channels, thousands of channels. We work with members every single day. I do masterminds. Nathan, we all do masterminds with members of Project 24 who have websites and who have YouTube channels and who are asking questions and talking about their experiences. And like, we do this all the time and we do the statistical analysis. We do the surveys and all that, right? We're in it. But it's never the same as when you have to make a video and deal with the, not like with the experience of building something yourself, but also deal with the emotions that, yeah. that are behind, well, okay, I just put hours into this video and six people watched it. <laughs> you know, that's so something true. that a beginner, every beginner experiences, every true beginner will go through that. And if you haven't felt that in 10 years or five years or three years, like you can't relate. Yeah. You yeah. just can't. It's you, you just can't. And so no matter how much analysis we do, I think it's fantastic that we're in the weeds. I'm, yep. I am literally doing this and I have help from the team, but I've tried to take most of it on myself. Yeah. And in a way it gets easier. Like, because yeah, it does. You've done this before, but it's right. never, you're always going to have those growing pains because your topic is always going to be different uh -huh. and things change like yes, in, on the internet things change very rapidly. Yeah. And so, you know, what worked three years ago is not going to be the, exactly the same as what works now. Yep. Your experience absolutely helps you. And it also gives you a lot of confidence that this is going to work. Yes. But you still have to go through that time period just of YouTube learning your audience and learning your content. And, and I think there's probably always a part of you. Tell me what you think of this, but always a part of you that's like, oh, is this going to work? Is this going right. to grow? Yep. It's, it's never like you've never arrived. <laughs> right. Like, I, I have done this more times than most people, mm -hmm. right? And yet there is that feeling like, like I, I have very high confidence that this is working, but what if it doesn't? Right. Because what if something has changed, yeah. right? And so um, I just think that's why it's important. That's why we're building websites. That's why we're making YouTube channels. But I think it's, it's really cool that... Um, not only do so many members of the team have their own side projects that they're working on for themselves that give us that sort of experience, but also here like on the team, like this is what we're doing right now. We're creating new content specifically mm -hmm. to go through the process from the beginning and see what, what things do need to change. Yeah. yeah. And for whoever's listening that feels like that, well, what if, what if my thing doesn't work, you know? And they don't have as much experience as you do, Ricky, right. or as you do, Nathan. And so they might think, you know, I could be on a, on a niche and a topic that's terrible for YouTube, or maybe yep. my style is just not going to work. And they don't have that experience to have as much confidence as you do. Mm -hmm. I would say to them, you know, you're going to learn from it and it probably will work. If you keep improving the quality and you keep learning, probably whatever you're doing now with some tweaks will work. But yeah. even if you have to change your topic completely or change your approach completely, whatever you're doing now will teach you a lot and you'll be better positioned in the future. Yeah. What would, would you say anything different or? I think that's a hundred percent right. First of all, I do have high confidence, not just because I've done this before several times and we've done this before several times, but 
we have members doing it every day mm-hmm. and it's still working. We also have members who are spending a longer time in sort of this early phase where they're not getting early success. Um, so there, there are legitimate struggles yeah. and barriers that, that people run into that prevent them from um, quickly achieving the same results. And if you're in that camp, like it, it is hard, but you are learning things and you will improve if you just keep moving forward and try to learn from the experiences you're having. Mm-hmm. See what's working a little bit better than other videos. See what you, know, what you can do uh, to improve upon the things that you've been doing. But, but realistically, like we have thousands of members, right? And lots of them every single day are talking in our community about, I just did this again. I just started a new blog. I just started a new channel and I'm four months in, I'm six months in and I already achieved this. And it's like, yes, of course it's still working, you know? So we get to see that even if I can't, I can't make 12 new YouTube channels every single year. I'll I'll never be able to do that. Right. And our team is not massive. We can't, we just can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Nor would it make sense to like, right. The, the one I'm starting right now, I intend to follow through with it for a long time. It's actually something I'm very interested in and I probably won't ever sell. Um, and it'll, it'll, will just continue to be sort of a piece of what I do going forward. Does that mean I won't ever start another new one? No, of course not. But, um, but we, we just can't constantly be doing it. We're going to spread ourselves too thin. Right. Yeah. But we, we work with and, and collaborate with our, our members who are continuing to use what we teach them and to be successful with it. And that continues to give me confidence that this is still working. Absolutely. It's exciting. So another question about shorts is, you know, we, I think people think of them in terms of like either you're going to make money from it and have a video go viral and people will find your channel or, you know, it'll just like slowly increase your audience size of, okay, well get my name out there. People will see my shorts and go subscribe to my channel. What about using shorts and kind of being detached from even how many subscribers you get? Because like you said, Nathan, those short subscribers aren't always the same as your, Mm -hmm. they don't always want to be subscribed to your long form content, but I'm going to be careful about saying they're not the same as the people that watch Mm -hmm. long form content because they're likely a very similar demographic, assuming you're making shorts that are similar to your long form topic. What about, you know, pumping out a bunch of shorts in the early game so that YouTube can learn your audience faster. Do you think that works or do you think YouTube treats them so differently? But then instead of, you know, having to make a hundred long form videos, which would take forever, you're going really fast and you have 43 months in mm-hmm. and a hundred shorts. Shorts mm-hmm. are so obviously so much faster. Yeah. And so is that a good way, do you think, to teach the algorithm who your audience is faster in less time for you than making long form videos? I think it could be. Uh-huh. Um, I obviously don't know what the algorithm thinks, but I would imagine there's got to be some overlap between the long form and the short form. I don't think it's completely separate because YouTube is incentivized for people to watch everything. (laughs) Um, And so my guess is that both, whether it's the shorts algorithm or the long, you know, the algorithm that handles the long form videos, my guess is there's a lot of similarities there Mm -hmm. um, and that YouTube is going to do their best to show the content to the people who will watch it. Um, And I, I guess as a creator, my expectation for YouTube is that we kind of have a working relationship where Mm -hmm. I want to make content for YouTube and YouTube wants to show my content to people uh, assuming that it's helpful and interesting and relevant. And so I feel like that's YouTube's job. And so I'm just going to rely on them to do that job for me. 
Um, and they've given us, you know, opportunities for short form content, long form content, podcasts, you know, they've, you know, live streaming, whatever it is. Um, since they have those avenues kind of prepared for creators, I would say that whether I'm using just one or a couple, you know, whatever it is, I would say that there's a really good chance that YouTube's just going to help me get the audience that I want, um, assuming that the content is cohesive. Yeah. I agree with that. I think the way you said that, that there's overlap, I think that's 100% true. Um, I think it's actually helpful that YouTube has somewhat separated long form from short form. Originally, you know, we even on Channel Makers, we taught, if you're going to be doing a bunch of shorts, make a second channel. Mm-hmm. You can brand it the same, but call it your shorts channel. Um, because whatever audience it attracted for shorts, it would treat them as the same audience entirely. And so if those people didn't watch your long form videos, your long form videos actually suffered as a result. Um, on the other hand, if they were to completely separate them, I think that would be really foolish of yeah. YouTube to say, well, you know, um, their shorts do this, and but we don't know who their long form audience should be. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, if there are people that watch my shorts and they also watch long form videos right. on the same topic that my shorts are, you could probably test that my long form content with those same people, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's probably, there's a really good chance they're, they're going to like my long form content too. And so I, from just the standpoint of what makes sense, yeah, I think there's going to be significant overlap. What we've experienced so far, I think play, proves that out to some extent. Um, but I'm also really encouraged by the changes that they did make to somewhat separate the two because before that, it really wasn't very feasible to have a successful short form content strategy and long form yeah. content strategy on the same channel. And now I'm seeing it. I yeah. think it makes a lot of sense. One other thing that came to my mind, and this is just kind of me as a user on YouTube, um, I watch some off-roading content, a mm-hmm. fair amount of kind of off-roading, you know, driving the mountains in the mud kind of content. And that definitely you know, I watch primarily long form of that. So, but when I ever do go into the shorts feed, I always see that content. Yeah. And so, there you, go. you know, and that's just, that's going from long form to the short form. But I would say that my guess is it would translate across both ways. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. And so I'm pretty confident in YouTube that they're going to, they're going to show me what I want to watch. Yeah. So fortunately we have a lot of different channels that we can use to like gather data and notice trends and something weird we've seen on a couple channel channels is that the videos, the shorts will do really well. So they're shooting up and then they just like flatline. Yeah. Which which really means the videos or the views stopped almost entirely. Mm-hmm. If the yeah. the graph gets flat, it's not maintaining, yeah. it's stopping. We're it's not so talking weird. about it like tapers yeah. off. We're yeah. talking about it's like curving upward. Like it's, oh, it's about to go viral. And then <laughs> boom, sharp corner, yeah. zero more views or yeah. like one an hour. Yeah. So what causes that sudden flatline? And, you know, do we have any strategies to combat it? And then another weird thing we noticed is that it flatlines and then sometimes after months, it'll pick up again and it'll go up again and then usually flatline again. So it's kind of just, it almost feels like the algorithm Mm -hmm. is turning it on and off. Mm -hmm. Yes, it'll get a few views in between, which might just be from people finding your channel or going back to watch it who have saved it um, or sharing or whatever else. But why do we think that happens? And any ideas on what to do about it? The, so... YouTube recently put out a video about how the shorts algorithm works and they kind of address this. Um, and it really sort of confirmed something we'd already discussed that, that I think is the main cause. And that is YouTube 
pushes out the video initially with an audience that it thinks it might go to. And I say an audience, really, I'm probably talking about a few kind of little audiences. YouTube's like, I think maybe these little groups of people might like this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are the people we're committed to testing it with. And then it tries it with them, it shows it to all of them. And then when it's done showing it to all of them, it's like kind of looking at the numbers and saying, yeah. what was the swipe away rate on this one? And if that swipe away rate number is a little too high, it's like, okay, we're done. And so it's like, it can be literally going up and up and up and up and then suddenly stop because the group of people it wanted to test it with, they not enough of them continued watching it. Yeah, and so probably what's happening yeah. is that it starts with a really small group that's, you know, they're very likely to like your content because maybe they're subscribed to a bunch of other content in that same topic. Yeah. And then they slowly expand and slowly expand to see how broad of an audience will watch this. And as soon as right. it expands far enough to where people, you know, the swipe rate goes starts below to, yeah, or exactly. starts to taper off, then they say, okay, it's well, like, we're done. We're yeah. done. <laughs> so, <laughs> turn off the host. So the, the short that I published last night, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like at 12 o'clock last night. Um, it, I published it, I published it right away. I uploaded it, hit, you know, just set it to publish immediately. Um, it did nothing for about three hours and then it did exactly what you said, Ricky. It just shot straight up and then kind of plateaued. And that yeah, this is like within hours. This is hours. Yes. I think it was, yeah, between like 3am and 4am. Yeah. Not days, real time. not weeks, not months. Yeah. Like yeah. you get a couple of hours and yep. boom, we're done. And so it got a, a one point, and this it's again a small channel. It got one thousand three hundred views, um, and it was shown to three point four thousand people. And so the swipe away rate was sixty one point eight percent. And I, on just on this small channel, typically if the swipe rate swipe away rate is over like fifty or so, it'll get like another thousand or two views. It's like YouTube is almost just willing to push it out to a, a few more people, maybe another one of those little audiences, um, but in this case, it did not. Yeah. Um, but but it was good to see because I've had shorts where I'll put it out and they get a hundred views, um, yeah. and that's probably means it even worse. You know, it, <laughs> it just didn't do what, or it just wasn't interesting to the people YouTube showed it to. So it is really interesting to see. Um, I think that also the average view duration can be something that's um, important uh, for mm-hmm. this short. I think the short was like. 18 seconds long and the average view duration was like 14 seconds. So right. a lot of times I see the ones that have over a hundred percent average view duration tend the to ones push, that keep going. Yep, they yeah. kind of push a little bit farther. This one didn't quite have that. Um, I also wonder like likes versus dislikes, how, if how that plays into it. I mean, there's so many different little elements, um, but I definitely think that the swipe away rate is to it's me, it one. seems like it's gotta be one of the big ones. Yeah. If people are watching and engaging with it, YouTube's like, well, we're going to keep showing exactly. It. Yeah. But it is really encouraging because looking back on other channels we've built that we did shorts and we've got some that we made that have literally millions of views now. And some of them, you know, and some of these were from the early days of shorts where it was easy to get views. And so that initial push instead of a few hundred or a thousand was more like 7,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then three weeks later, here's another 40,000. You're like, right. whoa, <laughs> like it's like flat. And then boom, it jumps up. And then and then it flattens again. And we've seen some of these where it's like literally multiple just bumps every few months, sometimes a year later. And then over time, they get millions of views. It, it's a little bit weird <laughs> to see that sort of thing happening, but it is happening. So just because you have a video that flatlines, it's not because YouTube was like, we don't like your video, we're censoring you or something. Mm-hmm. It's This is actually really common shorts 
behavior. Yeah. yeah. What I find interesting is looking at your dashboard. It said that short that you were just showing that you published last night mm-hmm. had 3.8 times more views than your average. Yeah. And so you would think that YouTube would give it more than 24 hours of a chance. Yeah. It just shows how hard it is to get your shorts to pick up. To really take off. Yeah. 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 And right. yeah, it's definitely. And I think another thing is it's almost like shorts views are more like impressions when we're yeah. comparing to like long form. Yes. It's like an impression is a view. And then the swipe away is almost like the view, you know, because when people scroll, they're going to watch a little bit of it. And right. so it's more similar. It's not like, you know, they're just looking at the title and thumbnail and trying to decide if they want to watch it. So YouTube just because people are viewing it, YouTube doesn't want to keep showing it to people if they're not enjoying it just because right. they're watching it almost because they're forced in a sense <laughs> to watch it. YouTube doesn't want to keep showing it to people if they're not yeah. watching enough of it for YouTube to think that they're enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I think that's sort of a rule of thumb is you can't compare them directly anyways, but right. it's more like an impression. Yes, that's true. So, Okay, let's do like some rapid fire. We have a few more questions left. I'm going to do some short, short answers. Um, <laughs> With the short shorts. Yes. So unlisting and re-uploading is something people talk about. Like, okay, well, the algorithm's testing it with a certain number of people, and then it flatlines. What if I just unlist it and re-upload? Nathan, go. I've done it. <laughs> Ricky. And it worked. And it worked. Yeah. It worked. How many YouTube times? Says, YouTube says you shouldn't do it, yes. but it, it can work. Yeah. <laughs> But don't tell anybody. (laughs) Take that for it's worth, I guess. And don't do it like 15 times until it works. Just but yeah. Doing it once or twice with a short might might work. Yeah. Out of the 120 that we published, I'd done it once. Um, and it was literally the short had been out for like 48 hours and had got zero views, which was just so weird. And maybe if I had left it, it could have eventually picked up, but every other short had been picked up within the first like 12 hours. So I just took it totally down, re-uploaded a new one, or the exact same one, um, and then got more views i wonder yeah. if it just got really unlucky or something like the first yeah five people to see it didn't watch it or something maybe i don't know how that could have happened but yeah i don't or know just a glitch another thing youtube has said claimed that they might flag it as spam if you do that right. i don't know i would know. again i would think that they that that might happen if you did this like repeatedly over over. on every short until mm-hmm. you get the right view count or a million times on the same short yeah so yeah yes maybe doing it once once in a while yeah yeah i don't think that's gonna hurt you yeah Yeah. it's interesting i'm glad you tried it (laughs) cool okay um time of day does it matter according to youtube no um i'm not sure it matters because like nathan said you can publish a short and it can go three or four hours getting no views and then then youtube chooses to try it so um I'm not sure it terribly matters, but Mm -hmm. sorry, no, you go. Well, I've paid a little bit of attention to this. I have like a spreadsheet, what we've published on income school and channel makers. Uh And it seems I probably don't have nearly enough data for it to be conclusive by any means, but it does seem like um, around 4 PM mountain time, which we're in, it's does better than the Uh early morning, which is what we used to do because our long form videos did well in the early morning. That's surprising to me, honestly, because just like, and you know, it's, it's so dependent on where people are in the world and things like that. Uh-huh. But for me, like if I'm just waking up, I feel like I'm way more likely to scroll through some shorts when like, I really should be getting ready to go for uh-huh. the day. Um, I'm not like sitting down to watch some long form content. Like I think I'm more likely to do in the evening yeah. when I have some free time. So I'm surprised by that, but 
that's, and so it takes us with a grain of salt. Absolutely. For anybody listening, sort of seems to be the pattern I've noticed so far, but yeah. I want to keep watching it. It, it. it could, it could, it could help yeah. to do it at the right time. But I would maybe say like, if you, if you're tending to get more views in the evening, publish a couple hours before the evening, mm-hmm. because it, sometimes it's like you publish a short and it's almost like it's waiting in line <laughs> for oh, its turn, you know, saying. for YouTube to test it. Yeah. So. One other thing that I would mention, just as I'm looking through some of my top shorts here, I've published a couple late at night. I don't have data on the one from last night, um, but a couple of the other ones that were like 12, one o'clock in the morning, um, they the demographic of people watching it are different. So um, a lot of my content is US focused content, but a lot some of the stuff that was published at like 12, 1 a.m. in the morning um, was people from a lot of other countries. Yeah. Um, which again, that to me, it's just finding your audience. So if you're looking for people from a specific location geographically, then just pay attention to that because yeah. maybe you are getting a lot more views by publishing at 1am, but if it's not the right audience or the right, you know, age of people, you know, maybe there's a lot of, you know, early people in their early twenties, college students who are up in the middle of the night watching these videos. But if you're trying to target older people, then maybe that's not the right, right, right audience. So I just say be aware of that, but you can probably definitely find views anytime. That's a good point. Just thinking about the behavior of the audience mm-hmm. and what they're likely to be doing. Yeah. And you might also be wrong. Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah. if you're if one is analyzing the behavior of their audience, like what I said of, oh, I would expect people to scroll through shorts more in the afternoon, you know, you could have an incorrect Oh, assumption. Yeah, definitely. But assuming everybody else behaves just like you do is a really big logical fallacy that <laughs> yeah. we all do it, but it's a, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a doozy. Good point. Okay. Um, does a few initial views help? And then, so the, the kicker here is we were talking about this yesterday. Is it worth it to tell your friends and family, like I have a short out. Is that going to confuse the algorithm because they're not really the right kind of audience. And then YouTube's going to think that your audience or your content is different, assuming your friends and family aren't into this topic passionately, or is it like going to help a little bit? What do we think on that? I would, we're still we're still playing around, but I do have some thought. I yeah, tell us. Go for okay, it. So, for it. a lot of the shorts that I've published on this new channel, they get very few views. I mean, even the good ones get a thousand, two thousand views. It's wow. very small views, and you know, it'll YouTube will test them for forty-five minutes, an hour tops. Sometimes it's faster. Sometimes it's like ten minutes. I'll get all the views in these ten minutes. So when I think of just such a small test group, if I had you know my whatever ten of my family members go and watch on all different accounts. Like that's kind of a significant amount, you know, if they watched through it a couple of times or gave some positive indication like the thumbs up or different things like that. I could see how that could be a little manipulative mm. to the video. I don't think that's what I want. Right. I think that's the kicker is could it make a difference, especially for a smaller channel? I honestly think it potentially could just because the test group for my shorts anyway at this point is so small. Yeah. Um, and and especially if, you know, if it's if YouTube usually waits an hour to push my short, but then they see, oh, wait, it just got 25 mm. or 30 views in the first two minutes. OK, maybe there's something about this or I don't know. Yeah. Um, and honestly, then this is all speculation, but I could just I could see it. Uh, but I don't think that I want to confuse YouTube because I definitely think there is the element of, well, these people typically watch this style of content, but then they're randomly watching one of these videos. So I think there is definitely something there because on a couple of the shorts, I've, I feel like I've seen it, it could have been something else. Um, but yeah. I don't know. That's kind of what, those, that's kind of my experience. And algorithm aside, I don't think you want to confuse yourself because right. yeah. if you publish something 
it's like it's like be in the mindset of figuring out what people want what is going to make you have good discoverability right. so maybe right. people want something but the first two seconds aren't intriguing enough mm-hmm. like but you can't learn if it's, if a short gets an artificial boost because right. more of your friends and family watch this one because you told them to because it was 4 p.m and then the one at midnight you know everybody's asleep and so they don't watch it whatever happens like right. you want to know which videos are naturally doing well exactly. without just totally confusing it because then you're not going to know either every short you publish every long form video publish is data for you and it's learning for you you're learning what works and so yeah i don't think i don't think it's worth it to confuse the algorithm or confuse yourself (laughs) yeah i think like if you're on social media or have an email list or something that's like about your topic yeah and you said hey i just published this thing and then those people watched it that's that's a different thing here. So we're not saying like, don't take advantage of whatever network you've already built in your industry. But yeah, having a bunch of family and friends watch or subscribe to your channel, whether it's for shorts or for other videos, I actually think, especially at the beginning when you're getting so few views, yeah. um, I actually do think it could be harmful yeah. and confusing totally. to the algorithm and to you. Yeah, in your industry and, and yeah. pushing those out to people that are going to find it interesting makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then what about putting a short out like right before or maybe right after you have a long form video scheduled? Um, Because, you know, will people watch the short and then a percentage of them will go to your channel, maybe see that you have a brand new long form video and maybe that'll give the long form video a boost or maybe vice versa. People are watching that long form video and then scrolling your channel and saying, oh, they have a new short out or maybe the algorithm will be more likely to show them the short since they just watched the long form. What do we think there? Um, so I've mentioned one of the types of shorts that I do is clipping from the long form content. Mm-hmm. So I'll take maybe a punchy piece from the long form and then I'll publish it typically in the same week, maybe a day or two before, maybe a day or two after. And I just haven't really seen much of anything. Mm. Um, I am getting like 15 views per long form video. So it's, it's probably just too little data to actually show, but that's kind of what I've seen so far. I haven't. Um, checked yet because I know shorts they've taken links away Um, but I haven't checked yet I know if you remix a longer video like you use the YouTube remix tool then the short by default if they click into it it goes to the long form video that seems to me if you're going to do something like this to be the most effective strategy publish the long form video and then sometime after maybe even right away after use the remix tool to take a clip that could be used as like, maybe it's the intro for the video. Maybe it's just the hook. Um, but use that and then, um, and then publish that. And that way it it gives a very clear direction. Like if people click into it, it's going to take them to the long form video. Um, other than that, I'm not sure it would really do much of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the way they spread YouTube would treat them totally differently. Like they're going to treat the short, like a short and the long form, like a long form. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's really odd. There are some channels I'm subscribed to that I get when they publish shorts, it shows up in my feed. There's some channels I'm subscribed to that the shorts don't show up in my feed, only the long form videos. I don't know why. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, maybe I just need to go into my notification preferences, but mm, like, um, so I also don't think that for a lot of people, the two are necessarily going to be competing with each other. If I saw two videos from the same channel in the, sa- in the feed at the same time, if they were both long form, I'm going to pick one or the other. Um, if one was a short, I'd be like, oh, whichever one it is that I intended to watch, 
is the one I'm going to choose to watch. Yeah. If I have 30 seconds, I'm going to watch the short. If I'm wanting to watch the longer video, I'll watch the longer video. Yeah. And TubeBuddy has an interesting um, little tool for this where you uh-huh. can, it'll, it'll show you like which of your videos are doing the best and which ones have like a, a specifically high retention mm-hmm. point in them of like you know, under oh, 60 yeah. seconds. Yeah. I feel like it works pretty well. I was surprised because um, I thought like, well, this is going to be totally out of context. Like, okay, just because there's good retention here does not mean that it works standalone. But I was kind of surprised that most of the, the spots that it suggested worked and made sense as standalone yeah. enough for a short. It's part of a um, the premium package. I accidentally, <laughs> accidentally said it was a free feature on a recent channel makers video. It is only premium. during the one week free trial. Right. Yes. Yeah. Only during. And yeah. <laughs> so you can get the free trial and try it out. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was a cool feature. Yes. Yeah. You can do it by yourself. You can look for where you have good retention. And I think yeah. that's a good idea is to mm-hmm. do it and, you know, see what part of the video do people find interesting. Um, but you could also use the tool. Speaking of things that, um, misspeaking, we accidentally said the name of the channel that Ricky's starting as a challenge. Um, I think we mentioned this in the first Creator Files episode, but we're keeping the channel a secret. We have to. We can't tell you the channel name right now. Um, not for a while. Grow <laughs> organically because yeah, we want to test the challenge realistically. Exactly. Yeah. And if and if everyone that watches Creator Files or Channel Makers or Income School goes and finds that channel, it's not going to grow organically. And we want it to be a real test of what's really working out there. Um, so we are going to censor that if anyone's confused on that. Yep. Do you guys have anything else? It wasn't because we were swearing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, nothing for me. I, I think this has been awesome. I think yeah. shorts are really fun. It's awesome to hear that kind of detailed update from me, Ricky. I obviously we see you work around running around filming lots of videos these days. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was awesome to hear what you're what you're up to and how the progress is coming. I think that that challenge is really exciting. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and then. In future episodes, maybe even the next one, we're going to talk about, um, you know, more strategy so people don't swipe away from short form, Mm -hmm. maybe even click away from long form content, um, and then like how to navigate entertainment versus information, depending on where you fall on that line with your topic and maybe kind of how to combine the two, especially if you have kind of an information channel, how to make it more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to wrap up this challenge eventually beyond other topics and have guests and just really excited for future episodes and we will talk to you next time.